Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. are back for another edition of Nobody Told Me That. And I don't know if you can hear the hop, skip, and jump in my voice, but I have another insurance nerd with me. And y'all know I geek out completely when I have another insurance nerd. I have Delane with me. And Delane, you got to tell me how to say your last name again. It's Delane Gleggy. Gleggy, because I always say Glogy, but I know that's not right. <laughs> and you know what's funny is I always just say Delane. So, and everybody knows who you are that's in our circle, you know, so I don't need to ever say your last name. For those of you who are like, I don't know Delane, which is, you know, there are going to be people who don't. I don't usually do bios. I usually just kind of say, hey, this person does this and they're excellent and all this kind of stuff, but your bio needs to be read. <laughs> so indulge me, dear listeners, on this. She is Dental Claim Support's Chief Claims Officer. She's the Director of Education and Brand Management. She's a dental billing author, educator, speaker, consultant with more than 35 years of dental and insurance claims experience, which means she's one of the seasoned vets like myself. Delane helps dental practice owners succeed through profitable, legitimate insurance claims reimbursements. She speaks, presents, and consults on dental and medical billing nationwide. She is a certified dental assistant, and y'all know I love it when assistants turn into insurance coordinators because they know all of the terminology. She is an AAPC certified professional coder, and she's a member of the Academy of Dental Management's consultants. She recognized early the power of knowledge and successful insurance billing. She was a practice administrator and a treatment coordinator, and she saw dental practices thrive when their insurance billing process was streamlined to ensure claims were prepared correctly, which I know many of you right now are in the process of trying to get as streamlined as possible. Delane has consulted with staff and thousands of dental practices when she was with Dr. Charles Blair's Insurance Solutions Newsletter and Practice Booster. As the Director of Education for Dental Claims Academy, she leads programs to help practice owners develop a team of in-house billing experts. She has contributed to Insurance Solutions Newsletter, Coding with Confidence, Administration with Confidence, Medical Dental Cross-Coding with Confidence. So is her name starting to get a little bit more familiar to you all? She is the author of a forthcoming book on coordination of benefits, Find Her Dental Coding Education Articles in the Learning Center at Dental Claim Support, which I will certainly link. And did you guys hear that? Coordination of Benefits, a book on coordination of benefits. So if that didn't make you stop, pull over, and you know, favorite this episode, because I know I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping I get maybe an advanced preview so I can take a look at it, Delane. I think we can arrange that, Teresa. Thank you. <laughs> the whole bio is important because I don't know if a lot of people, certainly people know Dr. Blair, you know, a wonderful man. And I've seen him for years. He was my very first coding class. You are really, you were the power behind Dr. Blair for so many years. You and uh, there was another lady, Gladys, was it Gladys? Glenda. Glenda. Glenda Hood. Yeah. Please apologize to Glenda because I, I <laughs> knew who she was. 
you really were the centralized kind of knowledge of all of that information that was flowing through there. And I think it's really important that you get that recognition because, you know, when you're the person behind the, the books, sometimes people don't see you and I want everybody to see you. Thank you so much, Teresa. And yes, um, Glenda and I had a fun time working alongside each other for almost six and a half years together. And alongside Dr. Blair, he is wonderful. He produces and authors many, many publications, and it was an honor to be a contributor to those publications. With our role with Dr. Blair, we were able to assist thousands of practices um, with coding and insurance administration challenges. From that information, we were able to develop and write content that would help the dental community nationwide. So. It was an honor and a pleasure to work alongside Dr. Blair and the development of several new publications of his. I wonder if now, as, as you're talking, people are like, oh, I know her, because they, <laughs> they probably talked to you on the phone at some point. So I'm hoping people are making that connection anyways. <laughs> so you've moved on to a company that does support for billing insurance issues, and you have a whole team of people that you train. So you really are in touch with Still, what's going on out there? Yes, Dental Claim Support is an outsourced dental billing company, and we have an excellent team of billers who share their expertise and knowledge and experience. We're excited about the training that we offer our internal team to ensure that the dentist claims are properly handled, submitted, all the documentation is current, accurate to ensure legitimate reimbursement and I'm really excited to be part of that training program for our team of billers. With COVID, we have had a lot of doctors that realized their systems weren't up to snuff. You had that experience, people calling in. Any particular cases that struck you that you remember? During COVID, what was interesting to me, because the offices had laid off their employees, uh, doctors were coming into the office trying to figure out how to bill. And it was a very eye-opening experience for the doctors and owners of the practice because I think sometimes they didn't realize what their insurance coordinators and office managers had to deal with on a daily basis at, in regards to insurance. And I got calls, how to submit a claim from, I got this EOB, I don't know how to post the payment. I'm not sure if this write-off for a PPO is correct or how to do it. And then that prompted some digging um, with the practice owners into their own systems and processes. And a lot of them have elected to outsource their dental billing to ensure that that process is followed correctly. Probably had some tears, didn't you? Yes. I've had a lot of tears since then too. Doctors thinking that everything was really hunky-dory through no fault of their own because they're busy. You know, they took their eye off the ball because they, they thought they had somebody good in place. Well, first of all, by outsourcing they can still keep an eye on it, but there's really no office interpersonal like drama that comes with it. You know, they're paying for a service and they want accountability. I mean, it's the same thing with employees, but at least with the service, you can say, where's my metric? How am I doing? What I found was happening was the employee maybe wasn't doing their job, but she was great at other things. And so they didn't want to rock the boat. You know, as well as I do, that sometimes it's just a lack of not knowing what you don't know in dentistry. and a lot of times in dentistry, we may have 15, 20 years experience, but we only know what somebody else taught us that worked for them. 
So having structured education like you present and, and I present is so important today in dentistry. When I started 35 years ago, we didn't have all the ins and outs and we didn't have P PPOs and, you know, we just provided care and a claim was submitted and we were paid. And that was the end of it. And patients paid too. <laughs> yes. Isn't that amazing? That actually, that happened. Patients paid like right away. And maybe we didn't even send in a claim. We just gave them the receipt and they figured it out. That was the beauty of it, right? <laughs> That's right. And, you know, when we sent in that claim or they sent in their own, a human was reading that and would pick up the phone and call you and ask for clarification. And insurance has changed so much. You are right. They would. They would call you and ask, is this state of service correct? Is this a... Wow, I totally forgot that they would do that. Wow. Okay, so that's depressing. Gone are those days. <laughs> so young people, this is why old people get so bitter because things were better, right? <laughs> right. And now we're seasoned, Teresa. <laughs> yes, you're right. We are seasoned. A couple of weeks ago, I called her. I called you because I said, this Medicare Advantage stuff, I need a little bit of clarity because I was calling everybody that I knew just trying to get some clarity on it. And that's when you were like, oh, we can talk about that. And, you know, it's just, yeah, okay. So I would love to talk about Medicare Advantage and we don't have to do a whole show on it because, you know, people are like, whoa, so don't tune out. Some people love it. Some people don't. I think there's a lot of things about Medicare Advantage people need to know because conventional wisdom is that it wasn't really going to affect us unless we chose to be in it. And now that is not the case. And when people ask me about Medicare Advantage, it was really simple in, in the past because you either were going to work with them or you weren't. It was actually more of a conscious decision on the provider's part, but not necessarily now because it seems like everybody and their brother has a Medicare Advantage plan option. And that's why I thought it would be important to have you give us kind of the 411 on it all. Oh gosh, that's another anachronism. People are like, what's 411? That's information for you young people. I love you young people. Medicare Advantage, let's just start with the basics. What is this Medicare Advantage? What is this? All right. For practices who think they do not have any patients with Medicare Advantage, you may be surprised to find out that you actually do. A pediatric practice may not, but the average dental practice, no matter the specialty other than pediatric, most likely has at least one or two patients or more with a Medicare Advantage plan. So a Medicare Advantage plan is part of Medicare system. And it's sold by individual commercial payers, though. Like a Humana or an yes. Cigna. So it may look like a Humana plan. That's right. So when they present a card, it looks like a regular dental card. And you don't know until you recognize the card and you call and ask sometimes, is it a Medicare Advantage plan? A Medicare Advantage plan replaces traditional Medicare, but it's sold and administered by commercial private payers. So if I when I become eligible for Medicare, I can either elect to have Part A, traditional Medicare, and purchase Part B, or I can purchase a Medicare Advantage plan, which is Part C of Medicare. Okay, so Part B is what? Part B is what a dentist would always fall under. Okay. When we talk about enrollment, that's for your physician services. That's not your hospital. Part A is only hospital and facility services. Okay. Right? So Part C is Medicare Advantage. Again, it replaces your traditional Medicare option. It also, when it's purchased, it has additional benefits such as vision and dental, which is where we fall into the category. 
and where the confusion comes into play. One of the issues early on was we had practices who have a large patient base with Medicare Advantage and they filed the claim and they were being paid, no problem. And then effective January 1st, 2019, um, Medicare confirmed a ruling and clarified that any provider who opted out of traditional Medicare is not eligible to receive benefits from a Medicare Advantage plan. That affected a lot of practices that came as a big surprise. Was there an end date of that ruling? Like how long would they be allowed to not be paid out for those services? As long as the provider remains opted out of traditional Medicare. And that is good for two-year period and it auto renews. So you have to know when your renewal period is and you have to give notice that you intend not to continue as an opted out provider. If you miss that auto renew, there's no going back. It's another two years, right? That's correct. You have a period of time where you can reverse that enrollment after the initial enrollment and after it renews. But once it's set in stone, it's two years. That was really a shock to our providers in the dental community. And it affected a, a big patient base. Originally, you had to be enrolled with Medicare in some form to receive Medicare Advantage benefit, but they changed that ruling. You can be enrolled with Medicare, traditional Medicare, or do nothing with Medicare, which is not necessarily recommended for dentists. If you ignore it, you can still be paid for Medicare Advantage benefits. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. First things first, if you're a brand new manager and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't even know what's going on here. How do I do this? For those of us who have been doing it a little bit longer, maybe the last 10 years, you probably remember there was a scuttle about, I don't know, what, five, six years ago? 2010, maybe. Gosh, it's been that long. It started in 2010. and They kept delaying the effectiveness of it. So if you, especially if you were in um, Indiana, Ohio, the Midwest, because the dental society there really took the ball and you know was like here's how you opt out and so a lot of offices especially in that region they opted out because they thought this was you know we don't want to participate with medicare i'm just warning you you may have opted out because the person before you did that and you just didn't know how would they check if they're in or out that's a great question um if you go to cms.gov and just search opt out list of providers it's going to pull up a list and you'll be able to sort that and search for the doctor name. And when we talk about enrolling or opting out, that's for the individual provider. That is not for all the providers in the practice. So if you have five dentists in your practice, you're going to have to look at each dentist on the opt-out list. And if they're not on that opted out list, then that means they're not officially opted out of Medicare. There's no list to confirm if a dentist or another type of healthcare provider and how they're enrolled with Medicare, if they are enrolled, but you would have to call your local MAC is what it's called. That's a Medicare administrative contractor. Okay. So back up here because Medicare itself is one big, huge, giant entity. It's CMS, right? Center for Medicare yes. Medicaid Services. Every state has a MAC, uh, an administrative <laughs> service center that you would call. So when you go to CMS, you will look for what your state is. And that's really what you need to have bookmarked, saved somewhere so that you can check this whenever you can, or you have a contact number. 
the main rules, I mean, it'll be on that site too, but the main rules for Medicare, definitely cms.gov and your local Mac. Okay, sorry, just want to make sure they know no. what we're talking about because we, we can talk shop all day. I want to make sure we remember that everybody may not, they may have started yesterday delaying Jeez, That's a great point. Keep in mind when you're searching for the opt-out list or trying to determine what enrollment or non-enrollment or status of a provider, we're talking about Part B. You're going to see when you go to those MAC sites and your local site, your jurisdiction, various Part J, Part D, you're looking at did I say, Jay? I meant you did. Part A, Part B, <laughs> Part C, and Part D. You're going to be looking at Part B because a provider either enrolls or opts out of Medicare Part B. So that's important to know too. Gosh, there's so much, so many different directions <laughs> I can go in with this. And it is very frustrating. Even for our seasoned people, this really took us by surprise. You know, when an insurance coordinator says, I need to know what the state, the society says, then you know it's a big issue because. That's not typically where we look for guidance, unfortunately. I'm sorry, state societies, but we typically can figure it out by reading the contracts and all that. When it's really complicated, we're like, oh, you need to help us. So for those of us who are doing this a while ago, when the states released that guidance, it really was released under the guise of if you opt in to be a Medicare provider, then you can prescribe. This may bring some bells for people. Then you can prescribe to your elderly patients because if you prescribe a drug, they won't be able to get it filled. It won't be covered at the pharmacy because you're not a Medicare provider. And so there were options given. You can be a prescription-only dentist. You can opt out completely. And so that's why if you did opt out completely, you have to check. You might be in the middle of that two-year cycle, or it might be coming up and you want to make some changes. Okay, so the first homework we've given is to go to the site and find out if you're on that list or not. Now, if you are on the list, what's your advice? Just wait the two years and then then follow the directions? So if you find out that your provider is opted out of Medicare for that two-year period, it will also show you when that two-year period ends. What's important for team members to know is to understand when you're opted out of Medicare, that means you have to enter into a private written contract with your patient, with your Medicare-covered patient, that states you are not enrolled as a Medicare provider and that they will maybe receiving services that would be covered by their Medicare plan or their Medicare Advantage plan, but because they are electing to see an opted out provider, there will be no benefit paid regardless of who it is paid to. The provider cannot file a claim and neither can the patient. What I find, and you probably see the same thing is, that's a piece of documentation that is not always in the chart. And you can find sample private contracts typically through your local Mac. It's best to be familiar with it and bookmark that site so that you can go to it with questions. So people are probably thinking, well, that it's just a non-covered service. I just need to get them to agree to do that. But this is this is really different. If you were in my class, this is when I would stop making the jokes and stop smiling and directly look at someone and go, this is serious. So imagine that I'm doing this. This is not MetLife. This is not Delta. This is the federal government. I know from dealing with them and studying them for years. I don't know if you knew this, Delaine, but I was a, my master's was in healthcare policy. So Medicare, Excellent. Medicaid. The one thing I took away from all of that is that they will find the heck out of you. Yes, they will. <laughs> and a lot of times in triplicate. So not just, you know, hey, thousand dollars here. Ooh, we're going to, we're going to triple that to 3000. 
because we're the government. I'm not even making it up. That is exactly what they do. So if you are a doctor and you are filing electronic claims, if you are participating in the system, if your patient is covered by Medicare, it is federal law that if you are opted out, you must inform them of this and use the forms and have them able to produce. If you don't have a non-covered services form for the upgrade, for the crown, you know, you're rolling the dice, whatever. I'm not going to freak out if I walk into your office and find that. I'll be like, you know, you need to get on top of this. But if you don't have this and I walk in your office and look for it, I'm going to freak out because I worry that you're going to get fined. I am all about you all not getting fined. Delay, when you said, I'm guessing that it's not going to be in the documentation, I think you and I, you were being kind. She was being kind, people. You and I both know that it's like 1% of the population is actually doing this correctly. So keep in mind, I don't want to scare y'all. It is for the medic- Medicare population. And as another point, Medicare is typically the 65 and older, 65 now? It is typically 65 and older, but this is another misconception. I'm glad you're going into this. Yes. So who else is Medicare? It's younger people. It could be someone who receives Social Security disability, and they could be 20 years old Mm -hmm. and have a Medicare policy, or they could have a Medicare Advantage plan with dental benefits. It could be someone with end-stage kidney disease they're eligible for Medicare. So age is just one of the factors to look at to decide if you perhaps are treating Medicare covered patients. I suggest that you ask for the medical card as well. And when they present a dental card, you should be able to see something on there that would say Advantage or Medicare Advantage. And that would give you the clue that this is a Medicare Advantage plan and they may have dental benefits on there. So it's important to know the provider status and have the proper paperwork if they're opted out. I wanted to point out when you mentioned Part D that that was changed. That's the prescription. When she says Part D, she's talking about the prescribing. So that was changed. They now have what's known as an inclusion list. So you no longer have to either be enrolled or opted out to prescribe a drug or medication to your patient and then be able to get Medicare to pay for it. They have a list and when the patient goes to the pharmacy, then Medicare, they can pull up the Medicare inclusion list and know who is not eligible. And that would be for dentists who have maybe been sanctioned for whatever reason, and they would be on those lists. And that was a better way to communicate that requirement, I think. Mm So that's where some of the confusion comes into as well. And then soon after that, they went further and clarified the ruling we just discussed about being opted out and Medicare Advantage. So the Part D inclusion list, how do you make sure that you're on that list so they can can prescribe? You would know you would get notification of that from Medicare. Okay. All right. And if there's any question, you can go to cms.gov and again, contact your local MAC, Part B and ask. You're not going to see a lot of dentists on there, but that's what they did in place of that. And Medicare recognized that dentists are providing services that are covered Medicare services. So with that recognition from, with Medicare recognizing that, they went as far as changing on the enrollment forms to add dentists. Before it was just oral surgery or other. Imagine. And now it's specifically states dentists, and they have made it clear when we talk about physicians um, and providers with Medicare, that does apply to dentists. There's a lot of stuff with Medicare that does apply to dentists that kind of flies under the radar. 
which is uh, why I'm glad you have something in the in the works for that. And you're very knowledgeable. Glenda's very knowledgeable about this stuff. We have lots of people that we can refer to to help with that. But honestly, find Delane and Glenda on the road. I know you got like me hitting the road. Take a class on this kind of stuff. Christine Taxon and I have to plug Christine too because I love her. We're doing the insurance extravaganza down in Florida. They're going to talk about this kind of stuff. As I tell everyone, at least once a year, you have to take a class from one of us, not from me on Medicare, though. Hold on a sec. Take a class from someone on Medicare and, and medical billing and then take a class on dental with one of us. We can all teach it. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it's a kind of really fun community when you become an insurance nerd. The true insurance <laughs> nerds out there really want to spread this information. Like they don't care who gets the credit for it. You know what I mean? Like we just... We just want to educate. And that's, I think that's why I click with so many of the insurance nerds that I bring on. Okay, back to Medicare. Here's another thing that I wanted to ask you about. So you said earlier, pediatric practices typically wouldn't need to do that. But there may be a child who's on disability, or is that not really happening? It's possible that a pediatric practice could treat a Medicare-covered patient okay. for a reason. The practice should really know who their patients are, regardless of the specialty. And it is a legal matter, and it is a decision from each provider as to whether the provider chooses to enroll as a ordering and re referring physician, a Part B billing provider, or just opt out or choose to do nothing. But again, ignoring Medicare and dentistry today is not something that I recommend at all. At least know your options, understand the consequence of each choice of all the various options. Let me just clarify that. So if you have five dentists in the office, three could be Medicare Advantage providers and two could say, eh, nah, I'm not doing it. Can you do it that way? Three could be not opted out and receive benefit from Medicare Advantage plan. Okay. And two could ignore it or two could just choose to enroll as a billing provider or an ordering and referring physician. Let's go through those. So option one is don't do anything. Just turn off the podcast right now and don't do anything. <laughs> Right. No, let's don't turn off the podcast because there's some consequences there too. <laughs> and that's what I want. What are the consequences? What I talked about, not giving them the forms, possibly mm -hmm. getting fined because you don't know that you're dealing with a Medicare Advantage person. So don't do anything, but make sure that you give correct forms, right? Well, if you choose to do nothing, mm -hmm. there's no forms to give because you haven't officially opted out. And that's one thing I hear from team members. I'll ask the status of the Medicare. Well, we, we opted out of that. And then I start digging a little further, understanding what opt-out really means is that each provider has a valid affidavit on file relaying to Medicare, CMS, that they choose to opt out of traditional Medicare. Let me finish up just ignoring. Okay. So if you ignore no forms to give because you don't have a contract or you haven't entered into some sort of arrangement with Medicare, so you can do business as usual, but you won't get paid by the plan. You will by Medicare Advantage. Okay. But there are some consequences. Okay. There's the mandatory filing law that's been in effect since September 1st of 1990. And that requires a provider who provides or renders a potentially covered Medicare service to a Medicare covered patient to file the claim. That includes biopsy. So if I'm a dentist and I choose to ignore Medicare and Ms. Jones comes in and she has a little lesion and I want to do a biopsy, and I do that biopsy and I charge Ms. Jones and I tell her, we don't deal with Medicare, but I'm going to do this biopsy for you 
and you charge Ms. Jones, that is a violation of the mandatory filing law. And there is a $2,000 per incident fine from Medicare for providing a covered Medicare service and not filing a claim. Now, you can't file a claim unless you're properly enrolled. What'll happen is you have to give Ms. Jones that money back. Wow. One of the exceptions to the mandatory filing law is a covered service provided free of charge. So basically only provide services to this patient that have nothing to do with what could potentially be medical billing. So just fluoride and a cleaning, like that's it. Nothing else. Basic dental services. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do anything that's a little bit freaky. Don't get all excited. This is how I became aware of how crazy Medicare was. This is before I actually started uh, my graduate degree because I realized there's a lot more out there and this kind of got me started. I had what I affectionately, not really, but affectionately refer to as an LOL in my office. And LOL is little old lady. (laughs) She knew. She was like, I'm Medicare. This girl's going to mess up and I'm just going to wait till she messes up. And I messed up because I didn't know. And she educated me on Medicare like it was nobody's business. And that's when I was like, there's a whole world out there that I don't know that could get my boss in trouble that could cost us money. And then, oh my gosh, I must be Uber manager kicked into gear. You have to understand this stuff nowadays. Back in the day, I could kind of avoid it. You can't now. That's how I found out. So please do not let the LOL bring down the power of the government fining you in triplicate per incident. Okay, so let's move on to the next level. So the people who are ignoring it, okay, they're in a box up on a shelf now. (laughs) What's the next level that you think we need to talk about? The ones who opt out, the ones who opt in? Um, Those that may choose to enroll as an ordering and referring physician. What that does is you're still not eligible to file a claim to Medicare. You still can't charge Ms. Jones for that biopsy. You can do it, but you should do it free of charge because of the mandatory filing law. People love doing things for free of charge, Delaine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Many dentists do that, actually. They give their services away. But let's suppose that Ms. Jones has the biopsy and we do the biopsy for free. But we send that piece of tissue sample to a pathology lab Mm. because we need to confirm what it is. We don't know. There's no way to make a differential diagnosis. And we're not properly enrolled with Medicare or opted out. That pathology lab has to choose whether or not they're going to do that tissue sample evaluation for free. Because if you're not enrolled as an ordering and referring physician, they can't bill any Medicare services. So they have to do it for free too, or they could refuse to do your tissue sample evaluation. And that's what we don't want. And I've talked to pathology labs before at schools, and that is a problem in dentistry. They call the dentist, well, you're not enrolled as an ordering and referring or Part B, or you haven't opted out. I can't do this unless I don't charge the patient. I can't bill Medicare. I don't know what to do. So that's a big issue. And it's a painful issue because it's a biopsy. You're concerned. Mm -hmm. You want the results back quickly for the patient. Then you have the added, well, I got to find out because I care, but I'm not getting paid for it. Okay, so let's move on to the next scenario because, oh my goodness, (laughs) if you're driving to work still, you haven't pulled over to the side of the road and just brought out a hanky, you're strong. (laughs) Let's move on, Delay. What what you got? We're going to go with the biopsy example because that does happen every day. Mm -hmm. You may be a doctor who provides biopsies or routinely provides covered Medicare services such as biopsies. And you want to provide those services, but you also want to be paid for those services. 
So you might elect to enroll as a Part B billing provider. And when you do that, you're subject to all Medicare rules. You can bill Medicare and you can be paid for the service. So there's consequences there, good and bad. You just have to understand what they are. And again, your local MAC is a great source of information for that. So that would be the next option for enrollment. And then we've talked about opting out and what that really means. For years, I heard practices and team members say on the phone, well, we don't have anything to do with Medicare. We don't bill Medicare. Or we've opted out of Medicare. But truly understanding what opt out, that term means in Medicare and you know what we've already discussed is so important. And then the next option would be, are you providing appliances such as sleep apnea appliances? Mm. Is sleep apnea appliance the main thing that you run into? Are there other services that you would wrap up in that example? Medicare could pay for extractions necessary prior to head and neck radiation. And it's specific to head and neck cancer. It's not all cancers, but it's extractions necessary prior to the start of head and neck radiation. But that's another example. And all of those exceptions and covered Medicare services you'll find on that cms.gov site, use that search engine. It's a great tool. Another great tool where we're talking about education, what I have found is when we go to cms.gov, sometimes it's like you said, when you dive into those policies, for us, it's fun. And we dive into a deep black hole and stay there. But you may not have time for that as an office manager But there's a lot of great education at Medicare.gov, which is for the patient. That's where our savvy LOLs come from, who's going to file that claim for that Bob, see? And then you're going to get a a letter from Medicare with a $2,000 fine and asking you to refund her. Absolutely. But that's another source of education. And I go to that a lot because it puts it in layman's terms. No, if people uh, realize that the traditional carriers that we deal with, they also have patient-facing education. And another thing, too, is if you ever do a search for, say, MetLife broker flyers, and this is totally not Medicare, but I think it's helpful. I'm glad you brought this up. The brokers have to explain it to the people who purchase the policies, the employers or the individuals. And so the broker flyers actually sometimes have a lot more information than the provider side or even the education side. You know, if you have that time to unravel that ball of string, you can find a lot of information out there. And the nerds do, the the geeks do. (laughs) Yes, we do. And and I don't fault them for this because it's a troubled life we lead, but there's a lot of managers who don't want to dig in like this. And I get it. So no judgment. I get it. But I think as managers, true managers for an office, you need to understand what could bite you in the butt. The two-part episode that I did a couple episodes back, managerial guilt, I go over the things that affect the office and what you need to focus on as a new manager or as a manager that may think that they need to reassess things. So you might want to go back and look at it. But one of the things I look at is what could cost us money? What costs us money? And insurance costs us money. I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) Let's go back to the opt-in. Why would an office say, okay, I'm going to opt-in as a Medicare Advantage provider? Opting in is not an official term with Medicare. So if you go to CMS.gov site, you're going to see enrollment options. That would be what we call in dentistry opt-in to Medicare. It's actually enrollment. So we've been through the ordering and referring, the Part B enrollment, and then there's also DME enrollment for providers and practices who are providing sleep apnea appliances. So DME is durable medical equipment. 
Yeah. You know, for the rest of healthcare, it's like your crutches, your wheelchairs, your motorized things and all that. But sleep apnea, the appliances that come with it, they are considered DME. What do we have to worry about with that then? So that's not an individual provider enrollment. While DME is paid under Part B, there's a separate enrollment process. It's paid as durable medical equipment. The practice then becomes, like you said, the canes and walkers and wheelchairs, the supplier, would we say the store, but we're supplying oral appliances, which is a sleep apnea appliance. So your practice has to enroll as a DME provider in order to bill that service, which is a covered Medicare service. So you're managing the enrollment of your provider and managing the enrollment of your office. That's correct. And it's important to point out that Medicare has made it very clear that a provider, an individual provider who is part of an entity providing sleep apnea appliances is not eligible to opt out of Medicare. Oh, wow. That's a wrinkle. I didn't know about that. The DME part scares me. I'll tell you why. I used to belong to the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. My husband is a certified fraud examiner. So we talk about this stuff all the time in healthcare fraud is absolutely huge. Locations that provide DMEs, and I'm talking about your wheelchairs, walkers, motorized, all that kind of stuff. Those are high, high scam centers. You will find the majority of DME investigations and cases are in places where there are elderly populations, Florida, Scottsdale, Arizona, Phoenix, California. You will be under scrutiny just by being a DME provider. I'm not saying that to scare you, but you need to know the landscape. Are they going to go focus on you? Probably not. They're easy prey is the guys who are, you know, shucking out the wheelchairs and all that. What's interesting about those is that they are fly by night. They literally pop up. They take stolen information. They bill, bill, bill. Mm -hmm. And because Medicare is highly inefficient on this, they check on claims like three years later. It's it's just the most inefficient. (laughs) That's who they're focused on because they get in, get huge amounts of money, and then they get out and they disappear. And then they pop up again under another LLC. You are likely not going to be investigated, but you should know that that is a big area of investigation. Absolutely, it is. And that's a good answer to the question I'm sure you've heard is, why do I have to, the owner of the practice, why do I have to have my fingerprints submitted to Medicare be a DMA supplier now? Yep. Because people have ruined it. That's right. They have. (laughs) If you are going to do that, don't be offended. Let's talk about the enrollment now, now that I know not to call it opt-in. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm probably going to run into these plans. Teresa and Delane are telling me I'm going to run into these plans, so I better look into it. I might want to enroll. Can you walk us through what that's like? You're going to enroll through your jurisdiction, through your MAC, and it depends on which enrollment option you choose. I will point out that if you're enrolling your practice as a DME supplier, there are different specific jurisdictions for your state that are DME only. So you have jurisdictions for DME, you have jurisdictions for Part B. And if you go to the cms.gov site, again, use that search bar and you're going to search for enrollment, provider enrollment. It's going to give you the options with a link to the proper enrollment. And I highly recommend that you do not enroll via paper forms. While they'll accept paper forms, I highly recommend that the provider enroll under PICOS, which is their online option. It's faster. You can track the status. They can communicate back and forth. It's just a lot more efficient to do that. So each option of enrollment has their own form. 
that you must use to enroll. Will you get an identifier? Do you get a provider ID number? What do you get? You will be assigned a Medicare ID number if you're enrolled, especially if you're enrolled as a Part B provider. But all providers have MPI-1 numbers. Yes. We've had that since 2007. So Medicare already knows who you are, and they're going to use that MPI-1 number, one number to identify who the provider is, just like commercial payers do. Is there credentialing with Medicare that we need to do? Credentialing would only apply to your Medicare Advantage plan. So we've already talked about if you're opted out of traditional Medicare, then they're not going to receive any benefits. But what if you're an ordering and referring provider? Well, we already learned that these Medicare Advantage plans are administered and sold by private payers. Let's take Blue Cross Blue Shield, for instance. Blue Cross Blue Shield of your state may, in addition to not being opted out, they may require you to be in-network. The patient may have purchased a plan that only has in-network benefits. So that's the same as your PPO enrollment. So keep in mind, it's not just the Medicare piece. There's no credentialing with Medicare. It's the enrollment or opt-out. Where the credentialing part comes in is those Medicare Advantage plans. That payer may require that in order for the patient to receive their benefit. How do I know I'm dealing with a Medicare Advantage plan? You said ask for the card. Absolutely. Typically, you're going to see language on the card that says Medicare Advantage or Advantage Plus. I've seen some, especially I think Advantage or Advantage Plus may be on the Humana cards. An AARP card, while it may be an AARP plan, it may be a Medicare Advantage dental plan. But sometimes it's confusing because I see team members getting it mixed up. Just because it's an AARP dental plan doesn't mean it's a Medicare Advantage. You have to look for the verbiage on the card. Okay. And I'm not going to guarantee you that if you call the the insurance company, that the representative is going to be able to tell you if it's a Medicare Advantage plan. Stop it, Delane. What do you mean? (laughs) They should know. Well, they should know, but if it's not on their list in front of them, they're not going to know the answer. (laughs) Okay. What do these plans look like? Are they masquerading as regular 180, 50 type plans with $50 deductibles or are they completely wild beasts? I've seen one wild beast, so I can tell you about that, but what do they look like? It's all over the place. (laughs) One of the things I like to point out too is I'll use Humana plans in most states. That's my example too. (laughs) They say supplemental benefits. It's not a Medicare supplemental plan. It's actually a Medicare Advantage plan. The patient can purchase certain plans and choose to purchase dental benefits along with it as a supplement to that Medicare Advantage plan. And as you've alluded to, that can be a convoluted mess too, because it depends on the plan sold and what the patient purchased. It is not a true supplemental Medicare plan. It's a Medicare Advantage plan. And if you go to Humana.com and you just search Medicare Advantage plans as a consumer and key in your zip code, that's going to give you an indication of what type of plans you may be presented with and what type of benefits they have. And you're going to see the names of those plans listed. And that's going to help you a lot with those Humana plans. Um, But keep in mind, the patient may have purchased it when they lived elsewhere at the time and maybe a different zip code than you searched. So sometimes you really have to spend a lot of time digging around to find out exactly what benefit. Some of them have major coverage. Some of them do not. Some of them just have one or two profies a year. 
Some Medicare Advantage plans include dental, but it's a reimbursement plan. That's what you've seen. And that means that you still can't be opted out of Medicare. The patient has to pay you in full. And they submit that, what we used to call a super bill. Do you remember that? Goodness, yes. I was told that that was old school verbiage, Teresa. So, I mean, but how cool is a super bill? I mean, really. That's right. (laughs) So when I say a super bill, that's your, it's a receipt, but it also includes the doctor and practice tax ID number, the provider MPI one number practice NPI 2 what the service was, the code, and the description, and the cost. And for most of those reimbursement dental plans under Medicare Advantage, they require that receipt to show it paid in full. If it's a direct reimbursement. That's correct. So you have that piece of Medicare Advantage, too. Let me just tell you, the problem with the Medicare Advantage plans, in my opinion, is that you have a lot of medical plan designers designing it, and they don't understand the dental plan. And the example that I have in class, I was at a NADP conference, uh, one of the insurance conferences that we go to, and the Humana dude put up a slide that showed the different benefits. And I took a picture because I use it in my classes. It was a $1,000 benefit, yearly benefit, but it's $250 per quarter. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting next to uh, my friend who was representing Dentrix at the time. He's not there anymore. I remember turning to him and saying, your software doesn't do this. And he's like, I know. And that just means it's another manual tracking of the plan. And since then, it's been about two or three years, actually. I've had people in the audience that are like, yes, we see that all the time. And you can see the plans are different in, in different locations. What she just said was gold, though. Go to the site, put in your zip code, and you can see what's being sold in your area. So at least you have kind of a heads up of what's going on. And you can just Google Medicare Advantage Dental and see who the offerings are in your area and do that. Pretend you're a consumer and and looking around. I think the plan designs, they're so different. You have to find out what they are. You can't assume it's a traditional 180, 50. It may, it may not. And that's that I think is what the most frustrating thing about all this is that we cannot say, yes, it will be this way to a lot of it because it could be this way today. And then tomorrow it's all changed. All they hear is regulations change, hard to keep up with. I think these are valid concerns. I agree with you. Um, And I think one thing to keep in mind, I know it's a valid concern, but whatever Medicare does, that tends to set the rule for what commercial payers are going to do. Absolutely. Keep in mind that these Medicare Advantage plans are sold by commercial payers and they have a contract with Medicare. So they have regulations they have to follow as well. So there's that piece of it too. And like I said, we could go into Medicare and talk all afternoon. We really could. There's so much to know. And another good resource for practices to know what's being sold in their area is during open enrollment period. A lot of Medicare Advantage plans are only sold during that open enrollment period. That's when Medicare beneficiaries can enroll. So these Medicare Advantage dental plans, that's when they're sold too. That's where you see all the ads on TV and radio and all that kind of stuff. I think it's October 15th through December 15th. It keeps changing. It's changed the date the last few years, but there's just so much to keep up with. Just keep it on one date so we can keep track. Oh my goodness. The government generates so much business just by changing the goalposts all the time, doesn't it? It seems like it. it, (laughs) I get it nailed down and then, uh, anyways, okay. You've enrolled. You're now at providing services for Medicare Advantage people. Is there anything that I need to know than that, or is it now business as usual? 
if you're enrolled as a Part B provider and you're providing a covered Medicare service, you need to be knowledgeable of all the Medicare rules associated with that enrollment. Part B is, just to remind people. That would be your physician services. Okay. That would be any covered Medicare service that you offer as a provider. Which luckily a lot of dentists is not Medicare covered, but with this Medicare Advantage plan now, is it considered to be Medicare covered? Well, see, for Medicare Advantage, you don't have to be enrolled, remember. Right. You just cannot be opted out traditional Medicare. Looking at the enrollment options is highly recommended. Yes. And this is the same thing when I talk with Christine about Medicare. It's like, say that again, and then I wish I hadn't said that because I don't want to know. I really don't want to know. Is there anything as far as collecting or billing regular Humana Medicare Advantage plan? Is there anything I need to be aware of, any forms that are going to take me by surprise that I should have given to the patient at any point? Be sure you've entered into a written private contract with that patient. And I recommend that you do that a minimum of every two-year period. Because if you think about it, you're renewing your opt-out status every two years. So I recommend that you enter into that written agreement every time that renewal period comes up. With a patient? Okay, so just one on file or one per time? One on file with every patient when you're opted out for two-year period. So that's a good protocol for most practices. That way you know that you've entered with that patient during that that opt-out period. They will find you because a patient may have heard you say that you're opted out and they're not going to get coverage and that they can't file a claim. But they're going to think, well, I know this. I'm going to try to get coverage. And I've seen that happen. The patient files a claim, that's that LOL mm-hmm. again we talked about, and you get a letter saying, we'd like to have a copy of the private contract. And if you can't produce it, then you're giving that patient the money back. And sometimes that can be thousands of dollars. They're not going to call you for a fluoride treatment. It's going to be for something they're like, no. whoa, I don't want to pay this bill. Th- that's actually a really good protocol. So you're saying every two years, look at that enrollment. And then at that point, find the people who you are who you know in your practice are affected, and then renew that with them. Can you just send them a letter? Do you have to have it in person? Do you have to have a signature? It's a form, and they have to check each box that they understand it, and they have to sign it. So I recommend that you talk to the patient when they come in. Big old pop-up flag to say, don't click through this. That's the first thing I put on the real important things is don't click through this, because every time a pop-up comes out, you just got to clear it. Don't click through that. We need this form filled out. Unfortunately, insurance coordinators, this is something you need to track. This falls squarely into your lap that you need to track this to make sure that we can get paid for our services. That's right. Insurance coordinators are responsible to make sure that the proper documentation is obtained. And this falls into it. Yeah. It's funny because insurance coordinating, you know, we kind of have an idea of what it is. And, you know, there's a link in the show notes to the ebook I wrote that gives all the duties of the insurance coordinator. However, It is really evolving. And one of the things I'm getting a lot of questions on from meeting planners is, can you give a class that tells exactly what they do and how to do it? Yeah, that's all I do. But apparently it needs to be, you know, (laughs) it needs to be laid out because I think what happens is with insurance changing all of the time, what is the insurance coordinator? What is the doctor? What is the manager? God love my managers who are all of those things. That's right. They are. (laughs) The new doctors coming up who are like, I can't afford a manager. I can't afford an insurance coordinator. And I got to do all this and earn money. You're exactly right. And I love your publication about what an insurance coordinator does and their responsibilities. It's a great resource and guidelines. Thank you. As you said, 
knowing that it continues to evolve and change and staying educated, staying up on what's the recent changes that are going to affect my duties and my responsibilities. Let me ask you about cleanup. Your company does this. Absolutely. They're outsourcing billing. And does it well from what I've heard feedback from people. I want to ask you, when a doctor calls you, can you sort of walk them through what that looks like? Let me explain why. I think a lot of doctors are like, what are they going to do? Are they going to take over everything? What do they do? I don't know what that means. And I have to reassure them that they have to assess it. Then the pushback I get, Delaine, is I've already assessed it. It's a mess. Can't they just come in and start cleaning? I don't know if people realize what that flow is like. (laughs) First thing is, let me address, are we taking over? No. Our team members become an extension of the dental practice team. We're there to help you. We're there to work with you. Um, Each practice is assigned an account um, executive or account manager. And that account manager falls under a team lead who oversees your account and your practice and everything that's going on. Once you engage with us, you'll receive onboarding training. Um, We'll have a main point of contact to do the training with. Um, So you'll understand what our processes are. Um, Communication between the two entities is extremely important. Uh, We do provide uh, daily communication from our account managers. We also go in and look at those AR reports and do a complete analysis. And we do start by cleaning it up and then getting it into a manageable phase. And then we take over your billing, your insurance billing, you generate claims. The practice would assign the codes, ensure that documentation is there to support the codes. You batch the claims. Your account manager goes into your practice remotely at night or the next morning and reviews those claims, attaches the proper documentation to ensure a clean claim is submitted the first go around and submits that claim, follows up on all the claims on your insurance AR report, um, works that AR report daily. So somebody is behind the scenes working that, and that frees up the dental team to focus on patients, presenting treatment plans, scheduling hygiene, keeping the practice, um, the provider schedule full. There's so many tasks. My goodness, I've, I've always said that we take the people who love insurance the most. They're the most detailed people because we have to be. Yeah. They know benefits inside out. And we put them behind a computer and don't let them talk to anybody but insurance reps all day. Meanwhile, your patients have a lot of questions. Your patients could benefit by that conversation of, you know, maybe this plan isn't the best. We have this in-house membership plan that you may be more interested in. This secondary plan, you don't actually get any benefits from it. Are you sure you really need to invest the money in it? There's a lot of conversation that can be had by what I want to call the insurance brightest in the office. We don't take advantage of it, you know, and we throw the phone into their ear until they want to quit and go find a different job. That's why I really like the outsourcing piece because let somebody else do it. A lot of times you don't have an office with somebody who loves it like we do too. So you have to do that. I wanted to just make a point about, you know, doing the assessing of the office and all of it. Doctors will sometimes call and say, this is my aging and this is the state of my claims, but they have bad data. And what I mean by that is they see a lot of claims that are still open that needed to be closed. There's claims that were closed out that could have been appealed. So the real assessment that they're doing, if they don't know all the ins and outs on it, they're not really seeing the true state of insurance in their practice through no fault of their own. They just don't know. 
I'm guessing when you go in and look at the claims, you find a bunch of unpaid claims, you find a bunch of open claims, you find a bunch of claims that are, you know, the insurance information is not even there anymore. Like, am I missing anything? Any scenarios? (laughs) No, you're really not. And that's why we go in and run that report. And we start with cleaning it up and we file all the appeals for you. We may need to communicate with you if there's missing documentation, those types of things. But let us do that work for you. And one of the things that I've always been impressed with, with dental claim support, and one of the reasons I chose to become one of their team members is thoroughness in screening for of their applicants and their thoroughness in continuing education for our internal team. That really impressed me from the get-go. And that's one of the things I love about dental claim support. The three owners had hands-on experience. Two of the three had hands-on experience in a dental office billing and recognized the need. And they've perfected our processes to make it work for both parties. And one of them actually wrote a book on it because he loves the process so much. I just gave a mini review on it. You want to talk about that real quick and when they can get that? I think I saw it on the newsletter that you guys are teasing it. (laughs) Yes, we are. And so that's going to be launched soon. And that was written by one of the co-owners and co-founders, Josh Smith. It's the ultimate guide to dental billing. So it does address all those processes. And it's a wonderful publication. Um, I highly recommend it. That will be launching soon. If you'd like to continue to learn more about it, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting dentalclaimsupport.com. And we'd love to have you um, be of interest to that and any future ebooks and books that we're publishing coming up too. And classes. Yeah. I read it every time I get it. It always makes me think, I need to send out my newsletter. You guys are so good. I'm going to put a link directly to subscribe to the newsletter because I think it's a great source of information. When you write anything that says the ultimate guide, I got to perk up. <laughs> when I saw that come across my email, is ultimate guide to dental billing. I said, Ooh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> And honestly, there's so much out there that's not great information that it's always a pleasure to share really good information. And I wanted to ask you, you said that you were going to be on the road doing workshops and stuff. Do you have any cities in mind? We will be hosting live events for educational opportunities. Um, Stay tuned. Stay tuned to our newsletter and you will be advised of those upcoming events. Um, We do have, like you do, webinars. Um, those kinds of things. And it's like you've referenced several times, it's so important for education out in the dental community. And it's nice to have a colleague like you to provide education, different platforms and environments to be able to bring that education to the dental community. And it's an honor and a pleasure to call you a colleague and bringing quality education related to coding and insurance and billing to our dental community. We're going to have to get a beach house. Get oh, me, yeah. you, Colleen Leslie, Dana Moss, Christine Taxon, and, you know, any other nerds out there. I'm missing Tina Brown and, and Patty Henry and, and just have a big nerd weekend. Well, let's get that scheduled. I'm all about that. I wonder if we could we could have people drop in for day two because day one's just us, us people, right? <laughs> and then day two, like just come like talk insurance with us. You know, I bet there's some nerds out there that are like, uh, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> oh, yes. I think it would be a full capacity event for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking of, of nerds, Josh has always teased me about being a 
an insurance nerd, a coding nerd. And um, I think when he wrote his book, he found out that he has a little bit of insurance nerd in him as well. So he sure he does make the list to get invited to the beach, the nerd out well, with us, you know, we're going to have to have him work for it, though, because, you know, we're going to need somebody to do the grilling and the hot oh, dogs and hamburgers. So yeah, you've got a point there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can put our husbands to work. That's right. I have really enjoyed this. And hopefully the Medicare Advantage piece, you know, if you have to listen to this again, nobody would blame you for it because this is not easy stuff. There's people who teach all day classes on this. This is These are questions that Delane and Glenda got all the time when they were pretty much doing the whole practice booster thing. And so it is not easy. Don't beat yourself up if you just go, this is too much. It's not easy. So just listen to it again, take your notes and hopefully it clicks. And I think that's what happens, isn't it, Delane? Like, You hear it and it's kind of like a big swamp of words and then something clicks and you're like, okay, I got it. That aha moment we've all experienced, no matter how long we've been in dentistry or what our experience is, we all can relate and have those aha moments because there's new scenarios every day in the dental practice we're presented with and we don't always know the answer and it changes so often. Oh my goodness. Yes. We're on the sidelines yeah, and we kind of just see all of the changes happening. And I hear from so many of my friends that are still in, in the office. It's different. We used to worry about somebody coming in and they weren't eligible because back in the day, we didn't check. No, every eligibility. <laughs> they said they had a card. They, you know, they fax us with it later. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. That was how it was back then. I just think it's so much more complicated now to be a manager. So my hat is constantly off to those of you who are doing it. And definitely, I will buy you a coffee if you are doing it all yourself, because that's a special kind of superhero right there. You know, and I'm hoping to see you at the ADOM conference coming up in September. I am all over the ADOM conference. And ADOM is like going home. All the managers there. It's it's like going home. Is this your first time? I can't remember. I think you it said it's my first time, and I'm super excited. And we're going to have a booth, and so everybody come by and meet Josh and I. We'll both be there, and I hope to spend some time with you as well, Teresa. You will. You absolutely will. All right, dear listeners, uh, Delane, how can they find you? Other than everything that's in the show notes, how can they find you on a regular basis? Facebook, Instagram, anything? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm happy to chat with you. Find me, email me, contact me through Dental Claims Academy. Just go to Dental Claims Academy and click the contact button and ask a question. I'll be happy to respond and would love to chat. I love it. See, that's the generous nature there that I love so much about you. I'm so glad you came on. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So dear listeners, as always, I appreciate this was a long one. So I seriously appreciate that you spend your time with me. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.